You're listening to the Quince podcast. Welcome to season 2 of the Quince Fortnightly podcast Land of a Billion. We aim to bring you expert conversations about the most contentious of the holy roti kapda makan trinity that is the makan over our heads and the larger ecosystem that governs it. This podcast is produced in association with the Property Rights Research Consortium supported by Omidya Network India. I'm Bhargavi, a researcher interested in land and access to finance and your host for this season. We all know of at least one family member, friend, colleague, neighbor who has faced builder trouble. Where a developer has either not delivered possession on time or has delivered premises that are leaky or otherwise defective or having delivered the premises has refused to execute a conveyance in favor of the cooperative housing society or the occupation certificate is pending or the completion certificate is pending and so on and so forth. The thuggery of real estate agents in India is also the stuff of folklore. This was best personified in a 2006 Hindi movie Hosla ka Ghosla where Vinod Hosla who had invested his life savings in a plot of land to build a retirement home did not end up getting that plot of land because of a land grab issue not exactly similar but in 2015-16 we saw several developers like Amrapali and JP being taken to the insolvency courts by homeowners who had given advances but were never given their homes Today as we speak we see a similar issue emerging in China for Evergrande a large developer who has similarly gone bankrupt without delivering the homes and having taken advances for building them When it comes to real estate in India my favorite data point which I use very very often is that 77% of the average Indian household portfolio is invested in real estate that is a large chunk of most indian savings is invested in a home an office a retirement home or a plot of land it is therefore surprising that despite land being such an integral part of an indian household's life the consumer protection in the real estate development sector was rather weak until recently when in 2015 the real estate regulation and development act was enacted to provide for a stronger consumer protection framework in the real estate development space Five years hence, how has the law fared? As per a recent BCG report published in June 2021, 26 of 29 states have a basic RERA set up in place. But has RERA really made a difference to the confidence that consumers have when buying real estate property in India? Have the awareness levels of consumers improved? And most importantly, does the grievance redressal work? Today with we have with us two guests who extensively follow this space very closely. We have with us Neetu Vasanta who is the managing director and partner in BCG's New Delhi office and leads the real estate vertical for BCG in India. She's also a core member of BCG's industrial goods practice area. We also have with us Shilpa Kumar who is partner at Omidya Network India, a social impact investment fund. Shilpa provides overall leadership including strategy and investments across the areas of digital society, urban governance, access to justice and property rights initiative. Welcome Neetu and Shilpa to the Land of a Billion podcast. Great being here Bhargavi. Thanks for the opportunity. 
let's begin with setting the context in which this law was enacted. Can you tell us what was it like before this law was passed? What were the problems that this law tried to address? Sure, let me take that. Uh, first of all, thank you for the brilliant introduction. Let me start with some numbers, right? Real estate, as we understand, is close to, you know, six and a half, seven percent of GDP and employs over 50 million people and has a, you know, huge multiplier effect when it comes to employment. But, you know, that's one part of the story. You know, why is real estate and anything to do with real estate important? I think personally, it's the second part of the story which you touched upon. It's about many Mr. Costas, which at least five to six years ago, had put in all of their life saving into buying a property, you know, 77%. Yes, that's the that's the percentage of saving that every man puts into buying a real estate space. And, you know, what's even starker is 75% of that money is for self-use. So it's not like an investment where I'll reap benefits. It's really about buying a home or a shop where I will live in or where I will work. And, you know, unfortunately, at least, you know, six, seven years ago, this whole sector was fraught with problems, right? There was very limited accountability of the developers. A lot of laws, as we saw, were in favor of developers. There was complete information asymmetry. When is the project coming up? How do I track it? There was limited digital information available to the consumers who had paid up in advance. There was very little, close to nil, financial disclosure when it you know came to real estate so you know as as mr kosla you had given a large chunk of money but you never knew whether the developer has got the land approval whether the developer will start construction what is the timeline like you know somebody promised you something and then you know you're just blank i think the other system was it was not just between the developer and the consumer there was just a complete lack of trust in the entire ecosystem the financiers didn't know what projects they could or could not you know finance the brokers were not aware of what were they trying to sell. The architects didn't know when the developer would go bust. And then we had, you know, a lot of these infamous developers doing stuff that we, we've all read a lot in the news about. So, you know, there was, you know, a complete vicious cycle, if I may call it, of mistress in the entire system. And in a sector where people are pouring in all their savings, there is just very limited accountability. I think it was, it called for a for an action immediately. And, you know, that was why RERA came into effect, right? The primary cause was how do you bring back consumer trust? How do you uh, make sure that it's a level playing field for the consumers as well as the developers? And then how do you you know, bring the trust back into the entire ecosystem. That was really the, the backdrop of why RERA came in. And I think, you know, we're five years into it. I think uh, there's a lot that has happened, right? Again, like I used to say, you know, let me start with the numbers. India's global real estate transparency rank, which was 41 in 2016 when RERA was launched, is already up to 33. Can it get better? Of course. But I think, you know, that's also a journey that we've traversed. If I talk about the different impact that it has had on different uh, stakeholders, I think, you know, for me, the top five would be one. I think it has truly brought transparency to the real estate sector. You know, uh, in our report, where we interviewed more than 1,300 stakeholders and also developers and real estate agents, most people, you know, 80% of the consumers said that they would only buy a property which is RERA registered. It is because... 
they still have faith that if a property is registered with rera they will get you know information on time there will be some accountability of the builder and they know who to reach out to in case something goes wrong so that's number one you know i think just bringing transparency to the sector and having information available to the consumer i think the second thing which has happened is you know honestly i feel builder accountability has increased people who could get away with not filing you know documents on time are now being made to at least publish their results every 3 months and that has also put a lot of pressure on them to clean up their internal books so i think that for me would be number 2 i also feel that you know because of the regulation and because of the transparency and the accountability service and project delivery have actually improved i think you know the other good pro- part is that it is actually inched a lot towards protecting consumer rights people now have a redressal forum some states are doing exceptionally well on you know resolving some of the conflicts even before it comes to the redressal forum and i think in general consumer rights uh, are being protected and i think last but not the least it is reverse the vicious cycle on the antitrust movement so now there is actually a greater trust amongst different stakeholders people trust the developers who are rera registered the architects also know that the funds are which were going into the project are actually kept in the project the financiers feel a lot more comfortable and of course the consumers feel a lot more comfortable so i would just say that you know it has put the wheels in motion in the right direction uh, there's a long way to go but i think we've already seen a lot of improvement that's great thanks neetu so just a couple of points right i completely agree on the trust point and even for our listeners i mean just look at under construction real estate projects around you what you will find is that at least this is what i have observed in the city of bombay is that these big hoardings actually prominently display mm-hmm. that it is a rera registered project and now if i don't see that on a hoarding i begin to wonder oh, is this okay is this not okay and that i mean conventional economics would suggest that consumers actually respond to this these kind of things and that's why developers actually bother putting it up on the hoarding right so that's one thing the second is you know the timing of this law this law came about in about 2016-17 and at the same time there was another phenomenon going on in india which is the enactment of the insolvency and bankruptcy law and i think there were you know the newspapers were filled up to the brim with headlines of various developers being dragged to the insolvency courts by consumers who had not been paid who had given advances for their flats but were not being either the flats were not delivered to them or the interest is stopped flowing in and then we were you know the insolvency law was looked at like this place where even consumer rights of homeowners could be uh, sort of enforced through insolvency which is not exactly a great outcome so rera actually saved the day in many ways for both the developers because consumers could now actually use a proper consumer protection law that would protect their rights as opposed to directly you know hitting the insolvency courts with insolvency of developers but that's just a thought out there in terms of the timing of the law right and shilpa what do you think i mean do you really believe that rera has actually strengthened transparency do you think it has improved confidence of consumers in the real estate sector what are you your views on how the law has panned out on the ground yeah so uh, bhargavi you know you mentioned your favorite factoid when you started about you know almost 3/4 of a person's assets being in in their house or land and the flip side you know to that factoid is civil cases in india as as you well know 
a bulk of them actually relate to land and house disputes. And to me, this the flip sides of the two coin always really, you know, amazed me that the largest asset class and also the most litigated asset class in the country. And uh, I also agree with you that, you know, the five years before this act came were actually probably some of the most turbulent times in the real estate sector. And therefore, if you look at, you know, the results of this survey, I think one big takeaway is that it has helped improve customer confidence. It has helped support developers who can now, you know, rely on RERA's uh, RERA kind of registration to sell their projects. And therefore, it has really, you know, brought back confidence into the sector and brought back confidence into customers buying homes. I think that did come across. But Bhargavi, if you were to, you know, peel the honey in a little bit more, I think what's interesting is that the customer, the consumer seems to be almost thinking of RERA registration as the hallmark of everything being okay once they have invested. And this really came home to me because as we were discussing the report, a friend of mine actually told me about an aunt. Uh, she says, you know, she was so pleased with herself because she she was looking to buy a home and she'd found a property and she said, it's radar registered and I don't need to worry at all. And somewhere that conversation, you know, really brings out that People kind of think a RERA registration is going to solve every problem to do with their house. And I think that's really, you know, an area to focus on that. What does this trust really mean? What should it mean? And and I, I think that then, you know, brings us to the question of how aware are consumers and how aware are they not just in terms of what a RERA registration means, uh, but also how aware are customers across the country. And, you know, that's maybe something to spend a little bit of time on. And l- let's start with, you know, overall awareness, Pargavi. I, th- I think the first thing is really that people in larger cities are much more aware of RERA registration compared to smaller towns. So that's the first thing. The second thing is people who are buying bigger ticket homes, you know, 10 lakhs and above, much more aware than people who are buying smaller homes. The third thing is, and that's really what I was speaking about, is the depth of awareness. That mostly people say RERA registration means I have somebody who's going to protect me, give me timely completion of my project, and if something goes wrong, I will be protected. That's really what people seem to be kind of thinking of for a RERA registration. I'd argue that, therefore, investing our energies, I mean, as a country, to really increase both the width of awareness as well as the depth of awareness uh, can really be useful. If more people were aware that what exactly does RERA registration mean? What information can you access on a RERA website that will help you keep better track of your project? Are you aware that only a certain amount, 10%, can be taken as advance payment? Are you aware that for, you know, uh, changes of a certain kind in the project, approvals are required from people who have invested in the project? So in a sense, really expanding the width and depth of awareness, I feel, can really pay rich dividends uh, so that the implied trust that consumers have can actually become a much more informed trust 
in their purchase journey. That's an excellent point, Shilpa. Completely agree with you. Vera registration has great signaling value, but what does it really mean? And do consumers really even know what it means to be Vera registered? So it's like saying that if something is certified by a you know quality control agency, I just believe it to be safer. And that may be true of food products and, you know, where actual quality control is undertaken by the regulator. But what about something like Arera registration, where it's more disclosure oriented rather than quality controls and quality checks, right? So one part of it is what Shilpa brings out, which is that consumers must be aware, what does it exactly mean to to buy property in Arera registered project? But then that brings me to another one, which is that consumers, I am assuming, also believe that if something goes wrong, somehow the real estate regulatory authority will protect them, either by penalizing the developer or that they will have a place to go and complain to. And that brings me to the question of enforcement capacity, which is that, you know, do we really see that once the law has been written on the books, do you find that some states are consciously building enforcement capacity in the real estate uh, regulatory authorities versus others? And are there interesting opportunities for learning across states that either of you all have seen? Neetu, Shilpa, any of you want to take this question, please go ahead. Thanks. Let me start and then, you know, I'll request Shilpa to chime in. Look, I think one of the things we don't realize is that, you know, while RERA was launched in 2016, Different states are at very different stages of evolution when it comes to RERA, right? Today, I know you you mentioned from the report, we know that 26 states have a basic RERA setup, which means that they have, you know, a RERA body. You know, most of them have an appellate tribunal setup, and then they're working towards setting up a portal, right? That's that's what it means. Now, if you see, you know, you spoke of Bombay, I think uh, Maharashtra is a great example because they started much early on in the journey and they've been very consciously and actively doing certain things about it. There are states which started much later in the journey. I would pick the example of Himachal Pradesh, a very small state as compared to Maharashtra. But, you know, again, there is a lot of effort being put into making the HP RERA, you know, stand out. They've actually got a few technology consultants to get their dashboards and their uh, their website up and running. So I do think that, you know, different states are at different stages of evolution when it comes to RERA. Uh, certainly, there is a lot to learn, learn from one another. Let me take examples of what, you know, some of the states are getting right. I think, you know, MP, if I start with, it is focusing a lot on digital, right? It has introduced an interactive Power BI dashboard with all the project details. It is it aspires to be something very close to what a Dubai has done with the REST app, right? Where you have all the real estate transactions, you know, units sold, unit books, uh, booked, the average rate, all available on an app. And that's that I think is a very forward-looking initiative. Uh, Gujarat, for example, has announced the launch of an investment map in the top 10 cities, right? Uh, which with Where projects can be categorized and they'll be linked to help investors make an informed decision. So it's a very, you know, it's like simplified investment into real estate. And earlier you had to go and scout for land and then figure out what is right, what is wrong. Maharashtra is great in terms of, you know, you mentioned grievance redressal, which still continues to be the biggest dissatisfier for everybody who's entering into a real estate transaction. They introduce something called as a conciliation or a dispute settlement forum. What it means is it's just a body before you can officially take File a complaint, 
it allows for you know let's say a, a dispute settlement and you will not believe they have a success rate of more than 70% it's just about people sitting across the table and talking you know if i uh, if i trivialize it it's just you know what divorce uh, divorce attorneys try to do before taking it to the court right now that can you get into an amicable settlement up reda for example have has developed a framework for a grading of projects again you know so that developers performance of developers and projects can be assessed which will help the financial institutions which will help investors so i think there are and you know i can go on about different states doing different things i think there is a lot of great work that the states have now started to do but i still think we are far from where we can be you know if i look at a bahrain if i look at a dubai both are great examples of what a body like rera can do you know it can actually behave like a nodal point of all information which is it is trying to be but also proactively you know facilitate investments in the sector and solve for the biggest problem which is grievance redress and today bhargavi you mentioned that you know people believe that if they are buying a rera registered property if something goes wrong you know their problems will be solved by rera unfortunately rera doesn't have judicial powers so rera cannot give a dictate it can only take the case and to the appellate tribunal right it can then further recommend the case to the court so people do have a place to pour in their grievances but it cannot be addressed at that level and rightfully so right you cannot have many judicial bodies in the country so that's really the part of rera i think states have a lot to learn from each other you know central bodies like there is i for rera which is all india forum for state rera to meet and convene they can be a nodal body who can also help pull together states to learn from each other the states themselves can you know meet once in a while and share best practices with each other a lot of them are doing a lot of great work and you know i i think yes a lot of states who are you know far behind in the journey can benefit from the ones which are far ahead yeah if i may chime in here bhargavi because you posed you know two very interesting questions one is in a sense what can we do better and then of course the million dollar grievance redressal question uh, on the first one what can we do better you know i i somehow see a customer journey as as you know first awareness then maybe knowledge and then really acting on that knowledge and i think you know to begin with like we all said the rera mark on all billboards shows that customers are, are actually putting some degree of trust in that symbol but maybe the you know next step really and it's not such a difficult step is if customers can access the enormous knowledge that reras collect about projects i mean they they collect almost more than 100 parameters for registered projects and they have this in their databases so so the very first step is maybe encouraging consumers to visit the website making it easy for consumers to navigate the website and access information and in a sense you know be more informed in their journey i i think that's an important first step and in my mind it's it's technology and therefore can be done fairly simply the interesting thing though bhargavi is what this you know report showed us is that only 14% of respondents actually visited rera websites and that's quite intriguing because you know it is your biggest asset it is very dear to you 
uh, there is a lot of information available about it and yet very few people are accessing that information and keeping track of the project's rollout. And maybe one reason for that is when you look at, you know, the dissatisfaction rate, which was fairly high, almost 76% of those who visited RERA websites actually felt that the website was, you know, it was difficult to log in. The websites were sometimes not functional or the breadth of information was not available and, you know, in a sense, difficult to navigate. And I think at a time when we can do so much digitally and with such digital ease, whether it's buying groceries, booking tickets, even booking your vaccine, you know, it's really, to my mind, an easy win to really improve the quality of websites and and the whole user interface and user experience for websites. Uh, so that's one thought. But moving to the second question you posed, can't agree with you more, you know, and, and, and that's again, really, I would say at the heart of the issue that the customer is saying, when things go wrong, I uh, depend on RERA to solve it for me. And if we were to kind of break this up into two parts, one do consumers go to RERA when things go wrong? And I think this report overwhelmingly points to the fact that five out of six people actually feel comfortable to go to RERA. And I think that's that's an enormous statement because what it says is that the real estate consumer now heads to the RERA forum when things go wrong, over courts or over other means open to them. Uh, and I think, therefore, it's really a big opportunity for the whole RERA ecosystem to use the fact that consumers trust RERA, A, go to RERA when there's a problem, to actually, in a sense, you know, help with things remaining on course and therefore uh, delivering maybe speedier resolution to these grievance redressals. And, of course, transparency in terms of, like, maybe sharing information on how such grievances are handled could be one way of you know thinking about it the other is experiments which neetu spoke about like conciliation which are actually you know helping to get uh, consumers developers and rera all all together to reach conclusion and to le- reach resolution now let me pause here it's very hard to disagree with anything that both of you have said. But I just want to add one thing. You know, on Shilpa's point regarding websites, I think it's become a bit of a joke, right? That India is the land of engineers, but our government websites are sort of the weakest, both in terms of interface, uh, lag time, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, the, the frequency with which they are operational, the frequency with which layouts are revised so that the data that you want is not at the place that it is. And I don't want to go into a tirade because I'm a researcher and I keep using these websites all the time. And I know the levels of frustration that even a person who's invested in that topic has with the website. So I can totally imagine a casual consumer who is actually just looking for one piece of information, which is that what is the progress of the real estate project in which he has invested, right? And uh, the chances that he will hang on and keep going back to the website because it doesn't work or he can't really understand it are extremely low. So completely with you on that, Shilpa, which is that we can actually make things much easier for consumers to be better aware. And this takes me... A concept that I can't but think of right now is the Land Record Services Index, right? Which is another initiative that I think Omidyar has supported. So just to give the listeners, we we hosted an episode previously on this, but 
In short, what does this index do? It compares the quality of digitization of land across across states on various parameters and assigns scores to states. Will it make the consumers better aware? No, maybe not. But can we actually compare RERA, which is what I think this report partly does, can we compare the capacity of real estate regulatory authorities across states in such that we can assign scores and we sort of, you know, push this spirit of competitive federalism, which incentivizes each state to invest more in building capacity within its regulator. I think it's a doable idea. I think whether we like it or not, that's what the world's bankies of doing business actually tried to do. It's what the Land Record Services Index, which is hosted by the NCR, is trying, NCAR is trying to do. So I that you know, the point about websites actually took me back to that. And it also takes me back to the question of, you know, that I, the fact that these websites are not so viewer friendly or consumer friendly actually makes a case for an aggregator platform. I mean, as cliche as it sounds, it seems like aggregator platforms are some of the ways in which you can sort to go around this problem where a business that's actually invested in making information access easier actually aggregates the information on this website and gives makes it easier for the consumer to access information, right? So that was a thought that I had, but uh, uh, who knows? That also actually... You know, the point about five out of six consumers actually trust RERA enough to go to them in case they see a dispute with the developer. And that brings me to Neetu's point, which is that what will RERA do? Okay, like you mentioned, there are two choices. The RERA will either pull up the developer and penalize the developer because RERA can't actually solve a problem between the consumer and the developer. And penalizing the developer doesn't really help the consumer because actually, you know, that's not going to get him the house that he wants on time or so on and so forth. So this takes me back again I'm to step into history, just, you know, the history of development of regulators in India, which is think about our SEBI or think about our BI, right? And today, I mean, rightly or wrongly, any consumer who has a grievance against a broker or uh, against an issuer who hasn't paid interest on his bonds, I mean, SEBI and RBI are tagged all the time on social media where consumers want to voice their grievance. And social media, rightly or wrongly, has become some sort of a tool of consumer grievance redressal. Many, and when you consistently tag a particular issuer or a particular broker, the regulator is likely to pick it up and actually, hopefully, if it has the capacity, begin investigation. And the existence and the threat of that itself disincentivizes the regulated entity from giving grief to its consumers. So I agree. I mean, we have to see how capacity develops over time, but there are some really easy, uh, low-hanging fruit, like Shilpa mentioned, which is, you know, create an index, compare the regulatory authorities, see how they rank them, how they're doing well vis-a-vis each other on things like consumer access to information, ease of access to information enforcement, and so on and so forth. Before we conclude, you know, I since this podcast is called Land of a Billion, I have to ask this question that if you had to pick one core challenge that India needs to focus on for securing land rights for its billion plus population, what would you put your weight behind? What is that one core challenge that you would choose to tackle? Let's begin with Neetu. Thanks. I think, uh, you know, yeah, we've spoken enough. Uh, It's tough to pick, but I would say my biggest bet would be on driving consumer awareness and education on data. Because I believe if everybody knows about it, social media is a great platform. Uh, they can also officially go to the appellate tribunals. 
I think if enough people know what their rights are, you know, how much money do they need to put as an upfront payment? What is the status that they need to demand from the developer? And if he or she doesn't abide by that, you know, what are the options available for them? If everybody knows it, I think there'll be a way for developers to, you know, self-correct. So I would place my big bet on consumer awareness and education. Fantastic. Shilpa, what do you have to say? What's that one core challenge? Bhargavi, I, I, I think, you know, when every Indian feels secure about buying a home or their land and also feels comfortable that if they ever need to, you know, transact on it, it can be done easily and smoothly. I, I think that's when, you know, we can really feel happy about the land, land for billion. Yeah, but that's got many elements to it, right? So, I mean, I agree with you that we have to enhance confidence in consumers, but there are, there's the part about title, there's the part about developer performance of obligations, there's tenure security, another area that I know is of interest to you. So if I had to tangibly identify one challenge, where do you think we should work on? Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, like... It's, it's hard, it's, yeah. In a sense, all of them, Bhargavi, because, you know, it really takes all of them to, you know, reach where we want to go. But I, I guess if you were to really pin me down, I, I would say it's feeling secure that when you know this is yours, you've paid money for it, it is truly yours and feeling secure about that. I, I think to me, it's that security. Got it. Okay. So uh, great talking to both of you. And I hope that our listeners enjoy this podcast. Thanks for the opportunity. Great being here, Bhargavi. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast, Land of a Billion, produced in association with the Property Rights Research Consortium. Don't forget to catch new episodes every alternate Friday where I will bring you a rundown on the latest charcha around land and housing in India. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quince website and check out our other podcasts 